Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Amen. Tonight I'm going to share with you about cooperating with God. Now you know we've been discussing the experience of the Israelites entering into the promised land and how they failed to enter into the promised land because of unbelief under the leadership of Moses. But then, of course, under the leadership of Joshua, after they were taught certain principles that led them into faith, they entered into the promised land and they enjoy the blessings of the promised land, which I believe is the place that God wants us all to live, experience the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. Theirs was a literal land, ours is a spiritual land. We also discovered and learned the fact that it's important that we do what God tells us to do even if it seems unreasonable or illogical. And that is a key to operating in faith. Because what he tells us to do sometimes doesn't make any sense. But it doesn't matter if it makes any sense or not. If God says to do it, then praise God, it's going to succeed. And of course, his ways are higher than our ways. His laws are higher than our laws. Look, we're learning from someone that knows how to walk on water. To bring 11 million gallons of water out of a rock every single day. Right? I think he knows a few more things than we do. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And so we want to see to it that uh, we do what he tells us to do, even though it may be illogical or unreasonable. Uh, Also, we understand that God wants us to learn about this new way of living and follow his ways, his thoughts his ideas for our life. I never would have dreamt that God would send me from Youngstown, Ohio, where I was born and reared, all the way to Tulsa, Oklahoma, just to get to Midland. That's a long way off, wouldn't you say? A thousand miles one way, a thousand miles back, 38 miles to get here. But that's what he did. Seems unreasonable to me, but that's all right. God knows better. So tonight, as we explore the benefits of cooperating with God, I'm going to show us and share with us from the Word of God five seeds that produce five fruits that are a blessing to our lives and will be a blessing if we cooperate with God and do what He says to do. And you may have heard these before. I'm sure I shared them sometime before, but it was on my heart to share tonight, so I'm going to do that. So number one, five seeds. This is from Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Anybody here want long life? Adding years to your life? Absolutely. Well, notice we have to cooperate with him. How? Well, if we want the fruit, which is length of days, long life and peace, and we've got to do what? Plant the seed. What's the seed? Forget it, not my law. Let your heart keep my commandments. In other words, obedience to the laws and commandments of God. Well, we live in the new covenant, and the new covenant law is the law of love. And if we operate in the law of love, it'll fulfill all the Ten Commandments. So it's up to us to make a decision that I'm going to live my life, as God said, by honoring Him and walking in love. 
And of course, love, we're talking about agape, love, divine love, that love that is not based on feelings and emotion, but a love that is based on decision and principle. You realize when two people get married, they should never have the right ever again to say, I don't love you. Actually, they forfeited that right. They did. Because when you said, I do, it means you committed yourself in blood, that's a blood covenant relationship, to love that person for the rest of his or her life. And I'm not just talking about with words, but in actions and deed. You made that decision, you made that choice. So that means both individuals should be committed to obeying the laws of God, the command of God, to love as he loved in that relationship. And if they do that, if they obey that, obviously they're going to have uh, great results in a marital relationship. Would you agree? Okay, so we understand that walking in the realm of love is being obedient to God. But if we don't cooperate with him, you know what we can do? We can shorten our length of days upon the earth. Look at the book of Genesis chapter 19. If we do things his way, cooperate with him, it'll add length of days and long life. But here we see a woman. We don't, have her, we don't know her name. No one knows her name. But we'll call her Mrs. Lot. Is that okay to call her Mrs. Lot? And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any, any besides? This is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and his family. Son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. Go on down to verse 17, I believe it is. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest thou be consumed. And go on down a little bit further. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become, become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen up upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew the cities, those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. She did not cooperate with God. All those that cooperated with God were spared. But the one who refused to cooperate with God was not spared. Now, there are many thoughts and reasons as to why maybe she turned back. Possibly that her heart was back in the city that she grew up in. She could have had other family members that didn't heed the warning and leave and come out. So many other speculations that we might have. But the point is, had she obeyed, would she have died? No. Had she cooperated with God, would she have died prematurely? And the answer is no. She would have lived still. Well, how's that important to us? Well, look in Luke's gospel. And this is Jesus speaking. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff. They had stuff back then. In the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And notice this admonition. Remember Lot's wife. Remember what she did. So Jesus was letting us know that there's a message to be learned here. When you start going forward and walking with God, 
you don't want to turn back and look back. No matter what we have to leave behind, because he went on to say, no man loving father or mother, brothers and sisters more than me is worthy of me. That if you love me, then it's all for me. Forsake all for me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you want to live your life, then you're going to lose it here on this earth. But if you want to save your life, you're going to lose eternal life. So he is emphasizing the importance of saying, I'm living for God. I'm walking with God. I'm not letting anyone or anything hold me back. Now, if she had other children that were left in the city, and maybe that turned her heart back because she looked to see the destruction and all that. Remember, God made us free moral agents, and we can choose to do what we would choose to do. And if that was their decision, that their, cho their choice, there is nothing that could be done about it. But whatever reason, for whatever reason that she turned back, she could have been, like I said, just considering the fact that she grew up there, this is her, her home, and all this is happening. Or it could have been that she is more concerned about the things she left behind. You see, all the things that she valued dearly in her life were burned up with the sulfur and the brimstone. But then it also consumed her. Well, look at Ephesians chapter uh, 4. This is our admonition. Because now that we're in Christ, put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, the old has passed away. All things have become brand new. We're to be going forward into things of God. Now, in spirit, we're perfect in Christ. But the point is, as a Christian, we want it to come from the inside to the outside. And that's called sanctification. Justification is we've been made right and righteous in the sight of a holy God. Sanctification is in Christ we're sanctified, but we're getting it from the inside to the outside so that we conform to his image and likeness. So what we should be doing is going forward in Christ, not going backward into the things that we came out of. We came out of the world and all of its influence in our lives, and we're now going straight ahead, pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And along the way, we want to look more like Christ, Amen. act more like Christ, talk more like Christ. And you know, as we journey, look in 1 John chapter 2, the same thing. John here, love not the world. See, she probably had a love for the world and worldly things. The lifestyle that she lived probably are in Sodom and Gomorrah. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What a statement. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world's going to pass away. And the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God is going to abide forever. I love the forever part, don't you? Amen. And so, basically what he's saying to us, if you will honor me by keeping my commandments, walking in the realm of my love, and fulfilling the love law, it's going to benefit you here on this earth. You're going to live longer on this earth. And of course, when you leave this realm, you're going to be with him in glory. It's going to benefit you for the rest of eternity. So it's important that we get that message he's trying to communicate to us and not be like her. Number two, look at verses three and four. 
these are five seeds that produce five fruit that are beneficial to us as we live our lives upon the earth. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So the fruit is finding favor in the sight of God and man. And that's important. But the seed is doing what? Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Wear it around your neck like a chain or a necklace. Because what's going to happen if you'll do that, you will find favor. That means acceptance in the sight of God. Who doesn't want acceptance in the sight of God and also in the sight of man? We all want that. We all really need that. Everybody wants approval. Everybody wants to feel they belong. Well, remember Joseph? How Joseph found favor in the eyes of Potiphar? And as a result of finding favor in the eyes of Potiphar, he was promoted to the highest, second highest position in Potiphar's house. He was number two guy. And as a result of his character, his integrity. See, Potiphar saw something in him that caused him to see him with eyes of favor. He approved of him. He accepted him. And he gave him duties and responsibilities. Well, we also want to be accepted by God. We want to have not just man's favor, but God's favor as well. Well, how are we going to do that? He said there's two things here, mercy and truth. And so we should answer this question. Are we merciful as he is merciful? Or do we have a critical eye and do we judge people around us? He said if we'll show mercy, then we'll be shown mercy. As a matter of fact, to the merciful, he said, I'll show myself merciful. To the upright, I'll show myself upright. But to the froward, I will show myself froward. And so if we want God's mercy to manifest in our lives, then we need to show mercy ourselves. We reap what we sow. And so if we sow mercy, and don't look at people and judge people for what they're doing, how they're living, etc., etc. Guess what? We're not the judge. But he is the ultimate judge. If anything, we should be seeing people with his eyes of mercy and praying for people if we want to get them to turn around. But then also he said truth. What about truth? Truth is walking in the word. You realize our most valued possession on this earth is right here. Right here. Walking in truth. John said, oh, it just blesses my heart to know my little children walk in truth. He was praying that above all things we'd prosper and be in health that we would know the truth that liberates delivers and sets free Jesus said you've got to continue in my word you're my disciple indeed you will know the truth and the truth will make you free when we walk in the truth we walk in the word of God so when we show mercy demonstrate mercy and don't judge critically other people for how they're living their lives and we walk in the truth of God's word and exalt it above anything else anybody's thoughts, anybody's opinions I'm going to live my life based on the authority of God's written word then guess what he says is going to happen to us you're going to have favor you're going to have favor with God you're going to have favor with man so we need to sow the seed of mercy and truth and if we sow those seeds in our lives then praise God he says you're going to experience favor with both God and man Actually, those two powerful forces are to be the gardens over our words and our actions. We should be dripping with mercy 
Every single one of us. And we should have a revelation of the truth. And if we'll walk in those two things, those powerful forces, we'll have favor. Number three, Proverbs, we should know this by heart, these verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. This is called guidance. You see, the fruit is guidance and direction. Who doesn't need, who doesn't want long life, favor with God and man, and guidance? Guidance, directing us, instructing us, showing us the way to go and the crossroads of life. We want to be directed and guided by the hand of God because he knows what's best for us. He knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. He has a better vantage point than we do. And if we will allow him to direct us and guide us into what his will is for our lives and praise God, we're going to benefit from that. But how do we get it? Acknowledging him with all of our ways. But first, trust the Lord with what? The heart. Lean not unto our understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him. And remember what we said about this um, illustration with Joshua and Caleb and getting into the promised land and under Moses they didn't get in. They trusted the Lord with their heart. Their heads had to be spinning when they start walking around the walls of Jericho. Whether it's walking around the walls of Jericho or filling up water pots with water and presenting them as wine. Whether it's water coming out of a rock, manna coming down from heaven, casting your net on the other side after you fished and toiled all night long and caught nothing, but you do it out of obedience because God said to do it or Jesus said to do it. All those things sound senseless, unreasonable, and illogical. But you know, God will tell us to do certain things based on his knowledge and understanding, based on his revelation. So if we'll acknowledge him in our situations that we encounter in life, he says, I'm going to direct your step. I'm going to order the way that you should go. But it's up to us to what? Cooperate with him if we want to have this kind of success. And there's something that I think is so important for us to emphasize here tonight. Is there a mountain standing between you and victory? Is there an obstacle standing in our way? Do you know he said to speak to it? It should be so impacting to us, those words, that is to say, speak to your mountain. As it was for Lot's wife, Mrs. Lot, to keep on going forward and do exactly what he said. Don't look back. Absolutely. Speak to your mountain. And too often what ends up happening is that we're trying to receive something from God that God has already provided for us. And rather than walking in agreement with what he said, we're trying to bring it to our lives when it's already been done. Like when it comes to healing and deliverance or even financial aid that we need. What did he say to do? Speak to your mountain. There was a woman and this woman was going blind. Some kind of a disease that she had and she was, it was getting worse day by day by day. And she was a strong Christian, strong believer. And this is amazing to me. But she never heard the word taught the way we've been taught the word of God. She never heard that her healing was already provided for at Calvary. She never heard that the work was already done. So she began listening to these teachings over and over again. And once again, she was going blind. And there was no cure for it. 
and her vision was very poor, could hardly see. She said, when I saw the revelation that with his stripes I was healed, I spoke to my eyes, and I said, eyes, you are healed. Now that sounds unreasonable in the medical field. You know, eyes, you are healed. I'm not trying to get you healed. You're not going to be healed. Jesus healed you at Calvary. Eyes, you are healed. This isn't prayer. This is saying. And Jesus said, speak to your mountain. Don't let your mountain speak to you. The mountain can speak to us and say, you will never see again. You will never hear. You will never, and the list goes on and on. But Jesus said, speak to your mountain. Talk to it. And so she kept on and kept on. And she said, before she knew it, just by continuing to say, eyes, you are healed by the stripes of Jesus. I call you healed. Eyes, you see perfectly because of Jesus. And she got up one day and she could see perfectly. Her eyesight was completely restored. She drove into town. She picked up her husband who was at work that day and they went to lunch. And as they went out to lunch, she said to him, the car was parked how many, how many feet away from them? That license plate number, I'm going to read it to you. And she read it perfectly to him. Of course, she drove the car, so that in itself would tell you. But he was stunned, and he said, what happened? And she said, I can see perfectly. But listen to this. Sometime later, as she was with her children and swinging them on the swing set, she said, all of a sudden, things began to get dark again. And as they began to get dark and cloudy, just for a moment, it gripped me. I said, oh, no. No, you don't. No, you don't, devil. Eyes, you're healed, and you see perfectly. She saw that it was a counterattack of the enemy, and her eyesight came back again. She said it happened two more times. And after those two more times, when the devil realized, I'm not changing this woman, completely healed, never had another attack like that ever again. She learned how to resist the counterattack of the enemy. She spoke to her mountain, and by the authority of the name of Jesus, it restored her eyesight and made her whole. So are we speaking to our mountains? Are we cooperating with God, or are we listening to our mountains speak to us and tell us, you will never see, you will never have your need met, you will never get your healing, etc., etc., etc.? It's up to us to cooperate with God, and if we cooperate with God, praise God, guarantee you the results are going to be wonderful. Now, number four. Number four is found in verses seven and eight. Proverbs chapter three. These are seeds that if sown in the heart of a believer will produce the fruit that they're looking for. Long life, favor, direction and guidance. And here, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord depart from evil. It'll be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. So who doesn't want this number four? Health. Anybody here enjoy health? Long life, favor with God and man, guidance, and now health. Sure, we want to be healthy. Anybody here like being sick? Anybody enjoy being sick? 
I don't see any good thing that comes out of sickness and disease. But anyhow, here he is saying the fruit, of course, is health. But the seed that we sow is be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. That means be not wise means humility. Fear the Lord means reverence. Departing from evil, which is basically self-confident and self-conceit. That's what it boils down to. Just like the person who's full of pride and arrogance. I could do it on my own. I can get it my way. No. He said, look, cooperate with me now. Do this. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Health to your navel. Marrow to your bones. So this is talking about how we can connect like an umbilical cord with the Father. And with the healing power of God to flow into our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit to drive out sickness and drive out disease. But we've got to sow the seed. We've got to cooperate with God. Remember the story of Naaman the leper? Who was full of pride and arrogance. And, and basically in his own thinking. Used his own reasoning as to how he was going to receive from God. Look at 2 Kings chapter 5 verses 10 through 12. This is just a part of the story. Elijah sent out a messenger unto him saying go and wash in Jordan seven times. And what happened? He didn't cooperate with God. But notice it says, your flesh shall come again to thee, which means he had probably bought part of his body parts eaten like a nose removed, the tip of his nose, earlobes, and that sort of thing. Your flesh will come to, unto thee again, or again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was angry, wroth, and went away and said, behold, I thought, behold, I thought, behold, I thought. Reasoning will always get us in trouble. Human reasoning you know, when it looks illogical, sounds illogical, unreasonable. But he said, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? And there's a truth to that. Those Damascus waters were absolutely pure. May I not wash in them? See, that's reason. And be clean. So he turned and went away in a rage. So notice when he refused to cooperate with God. He did not receive anything from God. He walked away from his healing. And if you could only imagine being in that state that he was in. Being a leper. Having these body parts removed from his body. And eaten away. His flesh being eaten away. Hard to even imagine or picture it. But that's exactly what he was experiencing. But his pride was greater than his desire at that point even to receive healing for his body. He was so full of pride and arrogance. But then when his friends said to him, did he ask you to do something too difficult? They reasoned with him. They appealed to his reasoning and said, all you need to do is do what they said to do and your flesh will come back to you. What's so hard about that? So the waters of Jordan are muddy. It doesn't really matter. If you'll come up with clean flesh once again and be restored to health, do it. When the man made a decision to do what? Cooperate with God? He got a miracle. Amen. Why is it that sometimes it's so hard for us to cooperate with God and do it the exact way he said to do it? If we'll do it his way, we'll reap the results that we're looking for. If we don't do it his way, obviously, his hands are tied. Remember the Israelites under Moses refused to go into the promised land. Why? Because of reasoning. Because of the way they saw themselves. Their inability to see beyond the flesh and the natural world. Well praise God there's something out there 
bigger and greater than this natural world that we live in. And there's more to be with us than to be with them. Amen? Amen. Number five. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruits of all thine increase. That is the seed. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. So the fruit, of course, is provision. And the seed is honoring the Lord with our substance and the first fruits of our increase. The word honor there means to hold in high esteem and high regard. In other words, have such a high regard for God that you are willing to give of your financial support to his work. And if you'll honor him in that way, your barns will be filled with plenty. Your presses will burst out with new wine. He is saying this is a way you can have provision. So now we've got long life. Now we've got favor with God and man. Now we've got guidance and direction through life. Now we've got health. But here we have provision. Another basic need that we all have. And this is the way he says to get it. Sow the seed of honoring God. How do I honor God? With my substance and my increase. Well, there's four ways that we can honor him with our finances. Number one, giving of your tithe is a way to honor God and hold him in high esteem. And say, you deserve my tithe and offering. Look, if Melchizedek received tithes from Abraham, and Melchizedek is a type of the high priestly ministry of Christ, is Christ not more honorable? Shouldn't he be the one to receive of our tithes? Absolutely. And I believe the government of his kingdom on this earth is going to be supported by the tithe that we give. That's given to him when he rules on this earth. But that's number one way. And our offerings. A tithe is our tithe that we give to the Lord. But our offering, you know, you can give an offering for missionary endeavors and outreaches and basically wherever the Lord leads us to give in certain directions. That's perfectly fine. But that's an offering. But then also there's the giving of alms. Giving of alms, we see the poor, we see someone that's in dire need of of financial help and assistance, and and we can give the support that work in many different ways, whether it's like through compassion, where it's a ministry reaching out to young people that are in in Africa that are dying of malnutrition and all that. You know, we can give alms. It could be people in your own, you know, neighborhood where you see that are in need. Remember when I first got saved, um, I didn't know any of this, didn't know much. Just got saved. But you heard my story. I sold my house to pay my tithes. Brand new house. I emphasize that. No one ever lived in it before. And I worked in the mill. And you know, back then, working in the mill, you made a decent wage working in the mill. As a matter of fact, you probably made as much or if not more than people that went and got to college and got an education. And so I was working in the mill, running a mill crane. When I got saved... And then when I got saved and I realized that I'm not going to rob God. I'm going to honor God. How? By tithes and offerings. Giving up my tithes. Malachi chapter 3. And you know what? You hear all these statements. I thank God I didn't hear them back then before I did this. Oh, it's not for today. Tithing is Old Testament and all that. Read Hebrews chapter 7. And you'll find out that Jesus is worthy of our tithe. He is worthy of it. Okay, so I needed to, I wanted to pay my tithes. And I sold my house, that brand new house that we just purchased, so that I could pay my tithes. You see, the thing is, if we wait till you can do it, you'll never be able to do it, probably. 
But if you make a decision that you're going to honor God with your substance and the first fruits of your increase, he'll make a way. And if you never heard my story about selling my house to pay my tithes, it sold in one day. And when the real estate agent came over to the house and says, why do you want to sell your house? It's a brand new house. You just bought it. You just lived in it. I I, I could see the record here. Haven't been there very long. I said, you want me to be honest with you? And she said, yes. I said, because I want to pay my tithes to the Lord. She was kind of stunned at first. And Jesus said, I'm a Christian too, but I'd never heard anybody wanting to do that. I said, well, I just got saved, you know, and I want to give to the Lord what belongs to him. Uh, You know, you got two cars, you got a house, got a mortgage payment, you got insurances. You know the story. You know, you're living from pay to pay and that sort of thing. And I says, I never really included 10% giving to the Lord in, in, you know, in, in my budget. But now that I'm a Christian, I want to war- honor the Lord with my substance and the first fruits of my increase. So I'm going to give it t- to him. And in order for me to do that, I'm not going to wait until I can do that. I'm selling my house so I can do it. I went to work that day. It was a 311 shift. By the time I came home, 11 o'clock, she came over to my house 11 o'clock at night when I got home, signed the papers. It sold that quickly. The Lord found us a house, another house that was bigger, nicer, on a nicer street, nicer than the house I was living, living in, and I've always longed to live on that street. And when I drove by, I thought, this is just sure no way I could buy this house. This is going to cost more than my house that I just sold. But the people, it was all set up. The people had moved away. That was an extra burden to them, and it needed some repairs. And so I said, uh, we put in an offer. The offer, now remember this, this is way back when, in 1978, 78, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it could have been 77 at the end of going into 78. And the house was $37,000. You can't buy a car for that today. And, and I said, well, surely I sold my house for $37,000 back then. I said, well, that's the same price I sold mine for. How's that going to work? And we said, well, I know. It needs a little bit of repairs. Let's offer $27,000. Why not? What can it hurt? They accepted the offer, $27,000. We got the house for $10,000 cheaper. Now remember, that $10,000 off of $37,000, that's a huge. Wouldn't you say that's huge? Mm -hmm. They accepted it. We bought the house, fixed up a little bit. I lived in it for a few months, and the Lord said, go to Ramah. Go to Ramah. Hmm. Of course, being the person I am, I said, Lord, if you made it go to Ramah, you've got to sell this house. As if that was going to be too hard for him. Well, he beat the first, the first one was sold in one day. This one never hit the market. Because the people that came over working for the real estate agent, what their practice was, they would come over to this house that was newly listed. And they would, everybody would come and walk through the house and look at the house and view the house and all that. And the people that came over to view the house bought it before it ever went on the market. Now I'm stuck because this is early, this is early spring and I, I'm going to be going to Raymond in the fall in August, the end of August. I've got no place to live. Got to get out of the house. And that's when um, I moved into an apartment building, you know, for those, worked for those months until it was time to go to Raymond. But when you choose to honor the Lord from your heart, I'm telling you, he will honor you. He will honor you. He'll make provision for you. This is crazy, but that was a journey that was, oh my, I mean, 
I'm glad I went through it and lived through it. I don't want to ever do it again. I don't want to go down that road ever again. You've got time for just a moment to show you how God will provide for your every need when you put him first. I moved into this little apartment and we had to store most of our, our furniture in a place, at a storage place. Just before we go down there, I'm getting rid of my amplifier and my guitar because I'm thinking, I don't need this anymore. You can't play it, in, et cetera, et cetera. So I just went ahead and got rid of it. And I went to a store when I just practically gave it away. They gave me a little bit of money for it. And I'm walking out the store, minding my own business. And the Holy Ghost says, buy that organ. A theater organ. Let's face it, guitar, theater organ. Which is easier to travel to Oklahoma with from Youngstown? Theater organ, not a keyboard, a huge theater organ. I'm like, if I had not known that was God, I would have said, what? What do you mean? I'm getting, I'm downsizing, not upsizing. But I knew it was God. So I bought the organ. I had it stored in the hallway of the apartment building because it couldn't fit. And up the stairs and anything. Long story short, we moved to Oklahoma, go there at school, having a baby, have a hospital bill. I tell the Lord, I came down here when I left my job. I never missed a bill. I was never behind. And now I'm serving you. I'm here living for you. I don't want to miss a bill or leave here with a debt, being in debt. I said, so Lord, you know, I've given up everything. I have nothing left to my name. And I've got this hospital bill. And I'm talking to him. You know, he'll wait till you get quiet a little bit. I'm talking to him. You know what he says? Sell the organ. Oh, really? Sell the organ. Now I'm thinking, who in the world in Tulsa, Oklahoma is going to want, want to buy this huge theater organ? Okay. So I put it in this, like a penny saver, you know, these little magazines that you have. And in Tulsa, this thing is like huge. There's hundreds of these People wanting to sell everything. These ads. So I put it in there. First day, some lady comes over to the apartment and she sees the organ. I want it. I said, what? I want to buy that organ. She gives us more than what we paid for it. And so as we're making this transaction. I said to the lady, I said, um, can I ask you why you're buying this? She was an elderly person more mature and she says I want to buy that for my granddaughter she's never had a lesson yet but I'm buying it for my granddaughter okay so did the organ she gave me the check put it in my checking account paid the entire hospital bill I left Tulsa debt free by doing that now what I have thought in my own you talk about reasoning what I have thought the right thing to do is to spend this money on a theater organ that no one knows how to play to be a savings so that when I leave Tulsa, I can sell it and pay off the, the hospital bill. Now, who would have thought that? It doesn't sound reasonable, does it? But you know, God knows more than we do. He had that woman already set up a long time before I ever got there. He had that thing all orchestrated before I ever went down there. But you know, why was it done? Because he saw my heart. 
Lord, I want to honor you with my substance and the first fruits of my increase. I want to see to it that I provide for your house, meet for your house. So your tithes, your offering, and also almsgiving, and then your love giving as well. You know, love giving. And that was practiced as well. Here I have nothing. I've got nothing. And the guy upstairs in, in the apartment building in Tulsa, you know, he, he works for a diamond. Uh, he's from South Africa, diamond mining and, and all that. Pretty well-off guy. He's there not having to work or anything. And, you know, one day I, I had a few dollars in my pocket, not a whole lot. And the Lord says, go up there and give him $20. You know, sometimes you wonder, is that God? Doesn't he know my situation here? Is that really you, God? Lord, are you speaking to me to do that? I mean, you know this guy's wealthy. Go up there and give him this particular amount of money. So um, at first I'm fighting it, like we normally do sometimes. But I went up there and finally was obedient to the Lord and gave him the money the Lord told me to give him. And I went back down to my apartment. He was above mine, went down below. Next thing I know, I get a knock on the door. Opens up the door. He says, come on, can I come in and talk to you? And I said, sure. Here he is, kind of weeping. He said, you know, I've never had to ever ask for anything as far as money goes. Because, you know, I'm pretty well off. But because of our sending money from South Africa to me here in America, something happened and I had nothing. For the first time in my life, I had nothing. So my wife and I got on our knees and we prayed unto the Lord and said, Lord, we need this money. And we've never had to ask you for money before, but I'm asking you for it now. And I am believing I received that money right now. Not too long after that, you come knocking on my door and you give me the exact amount of money that I asked God for. And I went, whoa, (laughs) really? Absolutely. You know, so even human reasoning, when you're thinking reasoning, they're well off, they don't need it. That's not always true. There are other circumstances that God knows about. But it's by honoring God and obeying God, being obedient to God, doing things the way he wants us to do them, opens up the door for him to move in our lives. And so these five seeds sown will produce five fruit. And those five fruit, I don't know how anybody wouldn't want them. Long life and peace, favor with God and man, guidance and direction through life, health, the fruit of health, and then also provision, financial provision. So it's up to us to cooperate with God, and I want you to see the last part of this here, cooperating with God, or if we want to be like those that resist, then here it is. Look at Acts chapter 7. The Jewish people, these particular ones, the ones that stoned Stephen to death, Stephen is crying out, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Whoa. Let that sink in for a little bit. Stiff neck means you can't look but one direction. Man, someone tells you something, you're not never going to at all look any other way. If it's, if it's walking in the realm of love, you can't see it, can't hear it. Stiff neck and uncircumcised that means you're not, you have an understanding of a covenant relationship in heart and ears. You do always what? Resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. They resisted. What God wanted to do, they refused to cooperate with. 
And as a result, of course, this is what they did. They stoned the first martyr, Stephen. But they were also denied salvation. They were denied the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the power of God in their lives. So they resisted. So we could be like a Mrs. Lot and resist what he says to do and go back and look what happens. She turns into a pillar of salt. Or we can be obedient and cooperate with God. Look at Mark 16. In Mark 16, look at verse 20. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them and believe and so on. So they went forth. And what did they do? They cooperated with God. They went forth. And what did they do? They preached everywhere. Well, when they cooperated with God and did what he said to do, the Lord was working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Amen. Do we want signs following? Do we want to see the manifest presence of God? Do we want to see the glory of God? The effect of, of, of our sowing the right seed in our lives? Then we have to cooperate with God and do exactly what he said to do. Amen. And so when he tells us to do something, we need to do it. If he says to speak to your mountain, then do it, even if it's illogical. Speak to your eyes. Eyes, I'm speaking to you. And re- remember this, this woman did it daily. I'm speaking to you. I'm telling you, you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm telling you, you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am speaking to you. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Looking in the mirror, do you hear me? I'm talking to both of you. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. You've been made whole by the stripes of Jesus. With the stripes, you were healed. I'm calling you healed. I'm calling you whole. And that's all there is to it. I usually get criticized for saying we can lose our angels. Because at that particular time, people didn't realize you can lose your angels. Loose your angels. And they would say, You're, who do you think you are? You know, only God can do that. That's not what the word says. The ministering spirit sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. Are you an heir of salvation? They've been sent forth to minister for you because you're an heir of salvation. As I was studying one day on this subject, you know, when you're at Rama, the thing is, it's intensified. You're going four hours every single day, and what you're doing is studying the Word of God four hours every single day, then you're studying at night to do your test, for your test. And you're learning about certain, you know, principles and laws and all that, but you're also learning about different things that you can do, like use your law of faith to release your, release your angels. And this one day, we were being taught about loosing your angels to minister for you because you're an heir of salvation. What you bind on earth will be bound. What you loose on earth will be loose. So we loose the angels. They're loose to minister for us. They're heirs of, we're the heirs of salvation. In Psalm 120, 103 verse 20, says they hearken to the voice of his word. So when I speak the word, you speak the word, they hearken to the voice of the word. So when you and I speak the word and it goes forth, and they will hearken to that voice, and, and they will do exactly what they need to do. And so, one day as I was coming out of my apartment and my car door was open. And I saw that uh, when I went inside, I saw all my teaching tapes were gone. And I was not happy. So I turned around and started to walk back into the apartment and say that someone stole our tapes. Halfway up the sidewalk, I just stood there. Now this is is crazy. This is what meditation is all about. I just stood there and said, no. It was early in the morning and I prayed no one saw me, but at that point I, was, I just did it. And I said, no, no, those are my teaching tapes. I said, Lord, I pray that somebody could listen to them and get saved, but they're my teaching tapes. So angels, I release you in Jesus' name. I loose you to go and bring them back to me. I'm an heir of salvation. And that was intense teaching on this subject. So I think nothing of it. Jump in my car and just go off. Just, it's done. 
come back home, go to work that night. I get a knock on my door about 10 o'clock at night. It's raining outside. Open up the door. And this person that's standing in front of me with a stack of teaching tapes this high and says, are these yours? I said, yes, they are. Looked at him. Not one was damaged in any way. Said, here. I took him, and then he was gone. Do you think that happens every day? Do you think that happens every day? That I know no one in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And even when you're in this apartment building, it's pretty far away from Rama. We're in Tulsa, and that's in Broken Arrow. So it's a good distance away. I know no one in the complex except for the person upstairs, and it wasn't him. I remembered I loosed my angels to bring them back. And next thing I know, all these tapes are, that I lost were, that were stolen are back, given back to me. Amen. Now, someone says, can you explain it? I don't know. I have no explanation. Could have been an angel. Could have been someone that found, but if someone even found them that wasn't, how did I even know they're mine? There was no, I had no address on it or anything like that. They were teaching tapes from Kenneth Hagin ministries that I was listening to all the way down from driving a thousand miles. You can listen to a lot of tapes driving a thousand miles. But the point is, if we don't cooperate with God and do what he said to do, that's the whole point of the message. Then he can't do what he wants to do. We have to cooperate with him. If he says, speak to your mountain, speak to your mountain. If he says, go fill the water pots up with water, then fill them up. If he says, take them to the governor of the feast, then take them. Whatever he saith unto you to do, do it. And if we will do what he said to do, we should get the results. So if he said those five things, what are we supposed to do? Keep his laws and commandments, long life and peace. Right? Truth and mercy, bind it about your neck. What are you going to get? Favor with God and man. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't listen to your head. He'll give you direction and guidance in your life. Amen. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. Walk in humility. Health, your navel, marrow to your bones. Anybody like this stuff? And finally, provision. Let's all stand together before the Lord. <laughs>